about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshuba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. Okay, uh, thank you for coming back because I know last week was a bit rough. Uh, but you guys generally want to hear the word. We're believing for the rest to come in. Uh, but let's start uh, from the book of Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, which is our scripture for these Wednesdays. It says, guard your heart more than anything else. So you see, this is the, where the importance lies. Your heart, your mind. It says, because the source of your life flows from it. When someone says, my heart is broken, that means your entire source of life is broken. Your heart is not broken. It's your relationship that broke. Uh, so it says, guard, it says, guard your heart more than anything else because the source of life flows from it. It says, above all things, is another version, the Living Bible says, above all things, guard your affections for they influence everything else in your life. Last week we said that a man's thought is the production line of his action. Your soul, your mind is the supreme court of destiny and well-being. That's where it has to be guarded. It is your supreme court. Uh, And we started saying that every person must be aware of the possible doorways that the devil can use to produce depression. The truth of the matter is, and I will keep saying this over and over and over and over again, depression is not a badge of honor. Don't make it something that is the talk of the town. We're all depressed. We're not all depressed. There are people who are making it in life battle through it and they're in great places while you can bring a congregation of depressed people and then you're wallowing in depression yeah life is difficult yeah it's hard yeah i've battled through this right or i'm going through this all right and uh, look forget the all right and get right so we got to fight through this but most of the time we're fighting depression without knowing how it comes through And when depression comes in by what we subject our minds to or what we allow our minds to receive, then we are at the the expense of the enemy. We are actually at his mercy. I said last week we need to know what rules our minds. The world, which I call Hollywood, or the Holy Word of God. I said last week that we need to learn how to strip ourselves of things that the devil uses to bring depression in our lives. And the first thing I said we need to eliminate or we need to strip is what I call unproductive what? Entertainment. I call it unproductive entertainment. I spoke about telephones. I spoke about obligatory social engagement, gathering of people you don't know where you end up having meaningless conversations. I spoke about television. You've got to choose to avoid spending too much time watching television, especially things that depress you. And some people don't realize that they are television or TV addicts. You just don't want to accept it, but you are really a TV. If I go through your um, Sky uh, recording button, in fact, you are even asking them to give you more gigabytes because their whole thing is there. You are addicted to it. There's some programs that are not productive. Music, I've spoken about it, is a gateway towards depression. I spoke about some certain things we don't understand. Going to places that look harmless but are harmful. And we spoke about carnivals and all that kind of stuff that we just go, yeah, I'm having a good time. It can be a doorway that the devil will use to enter into your life. Because you so much treat it with levity, that's why many people are depressed. Because, pastor, that's controversial. It's not. It is a reality. 
We've really got to start to think about these things and protect ourselves. Chains, pendants, rings, oriental objects, astrology. You go travel, go to oriental places and you just pick up anything. You've really got to know what you're getting yourself into. Do you really have to wear it? Do you really, really? Uh, um, then we spoke about sexual intercourse. We spoke about soul ties. Um, then we spoke about, number two, unproductive relationships draining relationships, living on the opinions of others. These are the things that actually are doorways into our lives that cause depression. Let me pick this up and go to the, another unproductive factor that you need to be aware of. And I call it unproductive hurt. Unproductive hurt. These are not productive hurt, which I call unforgiveness. So the book of Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 17 to 18 says, Do not bear a grudge against others, but settle your differences with them. Do not bear a grudge against others, but settle your differences with them. Let me repeat this again because I'm tired of church folks that just think they can be praying with grudge in their hearts. <sighs> Is there any time you're going to change? Is there any time we're really going to change? He says, do not bear a grudge against a grudge. This is not even that the person offended you. He's talking to you. You do not bear a grudge against others, but settle your differences with them so that you will not commit a sin because of them. Mm. do not take revenge see the second thing he told you do not take revenge on others or continue to hate them but love your neighbor as you love yourself I am the Lord in the area of unforgiveness which is a major one believers can open a door to the devil by harboring unforgiveness in their heart. Not only unforgiveness with regards to offense, but learning to for even forgive yourself about your past mistakes and the mistakes of others. Satan can use this as an inroad into your life. A lack of of forgiveness is giving other people power over you. A lack of unforgiveness. Withholding forgiveness and nursing resentment simply allows another person to have control over your well-being. It is always a mistake to let such negative emotions influence your life forgive and you will be able to direct your life in positive thoughts and actions a lack of forgiveness recall repeatedly forgiveness is a gift that you actually give yourself let me read a story here a former in inmate of a Nancy concentration camp was visiting a friend who shared the ordeal with him. Have you forgiven the Nazis? He asked his friend. Yes, well. He says, yes. The other guy said, well, I haven't. I'm still consumed with hatred for them, the other man declared. In that case, said his friend gently, they still have you in prison. That story points out this reality. Ultimately, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Bitterness and anger imprisons you emotionally, but forgiveness sets you free. I use this example of the Nancy because I really... There are similar experiences around the world, but it is the worst atrocity to mankind. 
Of course, we've also seen about the genocide in Rwanda and some other cleansings that's going on all around the world. But um, these, these examples are the height of bitterness and resentment someone can, can have. Yours is just your friend abused you. Or your friend didn't call you on your birthday. These are your mom didn't do what you wanted her to do. Your brother and your sister, we don't get along. These are your persecutions. And this man says, I was in the same ordeal. But I've learned to forgive them because although you haven't forgiven them, then they still got you in prison. So there are two sets of forgiveness that we're talking about. Forgiving someone else, but also forgiving yourself. A lack of forgiving yourself imprisons you to a lifetime of misery. You made the mistake, but learn to forgive yourself. And don't let people keep reminding you of the mistake you committed. Because the same David that made a mistake, forgave himself, got up, and still continued with the same woman. Did you realize the story? He killed another man for his wife. Technically, if I'm writing the Bible, (laughs) my story will go in a different manner. Okay, you slept with Bathsheba. You got her pregnant. The baby died. The man you killed... The right thing to do is to let the woman go because it's like an infiltration into, the, in, into something God didn't ordain. But the Bible didn't write the story the way we wanted to write the story. So the next thing we see is that David went back in. I hope you understand what I mean. He went back. <laughs> he went back again. And then Solomon came to it. So if people kept reminding David of he's a murderer, no one would have taken the throne after him. And most of the time, it is not people that are reminding us of our mistakes. We recall it and wear it as a badge of honor and then we go into depression. Why do we go into depression? It's because we have failed to forgive ourselves and we're actually looking for something to really punish us for the mistake we committed. Are you following what I'm saying? I remember I was dealing with a, an issue with some with, with a couple, and 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 and, and one of the, the, the one of the couple said, "Yeah, but I, I don't think he, I don't think he or she have his remorse." I said, "Why? Because they're not punished for it." I said, "So, what do you want me to do? Because I can tell my dad to send over." Um, there's, there's this whip in Africa that you have this one kind. So if I give him like 60 lashes, would you be okay? You, you, you're, you're looking for something bad to happen to him, then you will be able, or her, then you will be able to, <laughs> then, then you will be able to say, now you are reaping what you sowed. We, we, we find it hard. To forgive people, to forgive ourselves, and even hard to forgive God who forgives people. Why is something wrong not happening to that person? I can't blame you. Even uh, who was in the belly of the whale? Uh, uh, Jonah. Jonah was depressed. Do you know why? Do you know the main reason why Jonah was depressed? It's because God didn't destroy the land of Nineveh. He was angry because he said, God, I thought you were just God. If I'm really a prophet and I told them the destruction will come, why haven't they, why haven't they been destroyed? And God said they repented. He says, yeah, but they still should be de- 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 destroyed. He was depressed because he felt that something bad should happen to them to prove that he actually is a prophet. Look, we can move, but we've all been there. Where you just feel that that person 
God should show that person why that person did this wrong to you. But that person just continues to prosper. And the unfortunate thing is that that person will continue to prosper as long as you have unforgiveness. Because David continued to prosper. Now, I've mentioned this story so many times with regards to unforgiveness. David continued to prosper while Ahitophel continued to be bitter. And Ahitophel was the grandfather of uh, Bathsheba, whose husband David killed. And Ahitophel was the one that gave um, David's son, Absalom, the idea to dethrone his father and kill his father. And he ended up dying. Which, and he was one of the wisest men in the land. If you read the story. Because and, and, and poor Ahitophel, he was still bitter and enraged that God hasn't punished David for what he did. And still... He had the audacity to still keep that woman in his house. So do you understand the story? That So every time he's seen Bathsheba should be reminding him of how he got the woman. So when he wakes up in the morning and looks at Bathsheba, Bathsheba is supposed to be saying to him, without saying anything, you're a murderer. It's time you see, because he got her by killing someone else. But David... Forgave himself. He cried out to God, Wash me like Esau and I will be clean. Only to you alone, O God, have I sinned and committed this sin to. to. He says, Forgive me, O God. Restore to me the joy of salvation. Finito. Finished. But many of us are still looking around. Have they really forgiven me? Have you really forgiven me? You haven't forgiven yourself and you want other people to forgive you why you haven't forgiven yourself so you're so miserable and you're making everyone else miserable around you. So forgiveness is not only to someone but it's also to yourself. Have you forgiven yourself of not completing uni? Have you forgiven yourself of messing up in that, at that job? Have you forgiven yourself for messing up that relationship. Have you forgiven yourself? Or are you still thinking that the reason why things are not working for me is because of the mistake I did in the past? Our Father is a wonderful God. He says, your sins I will put in the sea of forgetfulness. So what people remember, God forgets. That's why, if, that's why God calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. Why? It's because when the devil comes to God and says, remember what this person did. God says, I can't remember. God has a great sense of amnesia. He says, I can't remember. And the devil says, but that person did this. He says, I can't But David killed you. I can't remember. But, 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 that's not possible. And the devil keeps standing in front of God. And God is saying, honestly, I can't remember. You know why he can't remember? Because the blood covers it. You can't see beyond the blood. All you can see is the blood. And God is saying, all I see is the blood. He says, the blood. He, look what he says in Hebrews 8, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds I remember no more. Why do you keep reminding God of what he's forgiven you of? This is how strong God's love is. Why? And most of us are, we, we, we are allowing depression to come in because we can't forgive ourselves. And until you forgive yourself, that's when you can stand in front of someone and say, you know what, I've forgiven myself, but, but out. Because people have a good way of reminding you, hey, that's how you did two weeks ago. Uh, that's how you did. Uh, relationships are worse than that. Uh, you keep saying forgive me, forgive me. But two weeks ago you did. In fact, last week you did. In fact, today, today, you still forgot to call me. And you keep saying, and you keep reminding us about what happened before. Even when I sit down and I'm dealing with relationships, you understand. And we go into first and second casting. Don't keep talking about what happened before. Do you want to stay in the past or do you want to go forward? 
But, 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 but. There's no but. The only but is you. We've got to learn to forgive ourselves and also forgive others because unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. That's all, all that happened to Ahitophel. So not only did David have the ability to forgive himself, but there was someone else who didn't forgive him, and that person was in jail. And when you read the book of Matthew, um, um, chapter 18, you will see the story of the, the king who forgave someone of a small amount of money, but that person could not forgive another, uh, the, the king who forgave the person of a large amount of money, but that person didn't have the ability to forgive someone of a small amount of money. Who ended up in jail? And their family. Did I say it's easy? No. It takes practice. But it remains essential in love yourself. Now, if we go back to that book of Leviticus, can you put up that book of Leviticus up? And, and, and let, let me buttress something. Say, he says, do not bear a grudge against others, but settle your differences with them. Settle. He's telling you what to do. Forgiveness is not a personal, I forgive you, in your house, in yourself, by yourself. You have to speak to the person. Mm. But what if that person is not around? Then let it go. But he says there's something you have to do. Settle your differences with them so that you will not commit a sin because of them. Do not take revenge on others or continue to hate them. But love your neighbor as you love yourself. God is still saying at that small bit... You've got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you can't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. That's why if you caught yourself and doing self-harm, just imagine what you would do to someone else. You've got to learn to love yourself because your body is so precious that God doesn't want you to injure yourself. You're in a jail of bitterness. Some ladies are still angry with the person who they went out that jilted them and that person is on their second child. And you're still angry. And you know what? You know the worst thing about it is that if that person comes and talks to you for a second, you will open up the door <laughs> of your heart. <laughs> You, you, you open it on yourself to further misery. Because the fact that you haven't forgiven them, you're nursing anger, but underneath that anger, you are so much vulnerable that when that person walks back in, bam! And they go quick out, and then you go into double depression. And saying to yourself, why was I that foolish? Because you have not allowed yourself you don't love yourself enough to forgive yourself and to settle your difference and move forward. And many people, both male and female, you understand, I'm just, 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 just using an example. Okay, let me use some men. men. Are, you, are you serious? Serious. The guy dumped you, you can't see anybody else. Are you that blind? Is it something else? She's going on on her own merry way. And, and all you're doing is you're all checking Facebook, checking internet, checking what they're doing, checking, and they're having fun and you're crying. Because you're watching internet, you're watching Facebook, you're watching, what, well, uh, Instagram. They just put a clip where they were dancing. You even watch their wedding where they're dancing. Something is seriously wrong. You need, you really need to come and let's help you. Because your future is glorious. It's glorious. And you know what you've done in essence? You, you understand? You have shut down any other thing good coming into your life. Uh, Olu, can you quickly come here? Quick. Is there two Olus in church? Oh yeah, there are two. The big, the tall one. The tall one. When I said the big, you now looked at the... He's the other one. So what happens, and I'm doing this for... What happens is, stay in front of me. Stay in front of me. When the devil accuses you before God 
All God sees is the blood. When you don't forgive yourself, all everyone can see is the bitterness. Nobody can see the real you, the beautiful you, because all you're portraying is the bitterness. And the bitterness is always taller than you are. Because that's the first thing that it will project. So, you are repelling people from your life and another possibility of a great relationship because all they can see spiritually, because all this starts in the spiritual realm before it comes into the physical. And in the spiritual realm, you are totally shut down. Because when you can't forgive yourself, then the devil, the Bible says, when the hedge is broken, the serpent will bite. So because you're, you're shut down, you're just behind bitterness. Nobody can see you. No one can talk to you. All they're seeing is just this unforgiveness. And you don't realize that you're giving a spiritual connotation. That's why I'm choosing. But if you forgive yourself, even when the devil comes, all that God can see is the blood. It's both ways. And then the blood speaks better things even than the death of Cain and Abel. It speaks on your behalf. And so it's the blood that washes you and then now washes you so much that favor starts to come to you. There's a relief in your spirit. Joy comes back into your spirit. And when people start to see you, they no more see the bitter you. They see the glorious you because God always goes before you and makes the crooked path straight. Thank you. There's nothing else. And this is the thing of unforgiveness. And unforgiveness just puts you in a prison. At a local florist shop, I, I once watched, this is a story, the owner removed tiny bugs from a potted plant. So it's just like you're moving some tiny little bugs from the potted plant. He was, he's using a cotton swab. He meticulously picked off one small, tenaciously clinging offender. One after another. Although that tedious process took him several hours of silent concentration and steady work, he was able to rid the plant of what would ultimately stunt its growth and ruin its loveliness. There is a lesson from that florist which applies to our daily living. The only way to keep ourselves free from the infestation of troublesome thoughts is to spend a few minutes each day cleaning out our thinking. So there's the part of unforgiveness. There's the part of dealing with hurt and resentment. That is those small tiny bugs. Because resentments are what we read in the scripture. They are called grudges. They cause silent bitterness. They cause those irritations. They cause those ill wills. So you can even be living with someone and you feel they irritate you. It's those things that God wants us to pluck away. Has someone hurt you with his or her comments? Were you publicly insulted by someone? Did a friend fail to come through for you? Pluck each of those offending layers of thought and dispose of it just as the florist disposed of those tiny insects that was about to destroy his lovely plants. Let me say this that you need to be aware of. You're a Christian, right? And because you're a Christian, the devil doesn't like you, right? And because the devil doesn't like you, he will plan against you, right? So there will be some situations that the devil will bring into your life to make sure you're bitter so you don't get the fullness of God. Pardon says we should be aware of the devil. He's a roaring liar going about to find someone he wants to devour. So there will be people that will come into your life not because they're bad but because they want to set you off track. So when you start to unpick those things, you're doing so to ensure that any vague irritation does not transform itself into a deep resentment and intense hatred that ultimately produces depression. 
Unforgiveness is the biggest or one of the biggest inroads to depression. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15. The Amplified. It says, see to it that no one falls short of God's grace. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace. Let's read it together. That's what? No root of springs up. Did we all go to school? Let's read it together. Are you afraid? See, let's go again. One, two, go. Let's let's reverse it. Say, see to it that I do not fall. Let's go. See to it that I do not fall short of God's grace. That no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble. And by it, I may be defiled. So, the example I used with Olu means you can be defiled by the root of resentment. And the only, the, 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 the biggest plea I'm giving to us tonight is the person you are resentful against or the person you have resentment for, or the person you're bitter for, God is blessing them because they are not defiled. Especially if they do not know. And especially if God is saying, you forgive them. Because the man who still owes the other man money, still owes him money. But the owner of the money was defiled. The king forgave, the other guy didn't forgive, but the other guy, the third guy in the story, still owed the second guy money. Do you understand? So he still owed him money, but the second guy was defiled. And the Bible says they threw him into prison and they tormented him. And I'm sure in those days, kings would say everything that that guy owns, give it to this other guy. Understand that resentment has a high price tag. Holding grudges and resentment takes mental, emotional, and physical energy. It makes you obsessive, it makes you angry, and it makes you depressed. And if you're married, and when you are going to get married, you need to listen to this tape 75 times. Because right now, it goes over your head. In fact, by the time you get outside there, it may go over your head. You have no idea that when you're married and you don't forgive the person beside you, you're injuring yourself. I've said this so many times. It's fun. People laugh at it. But remember one time I was angry with my wife and I refused to eat. I was hungry. I was only injuring myself. And it went on for hours. Do you want to eat? No. Please, do not ask me that question again. I was dying. I just finished church. I'm hungry. And after a while, and you know, with anger comes pride. <laughs> you, are hu- you are hungry and proud. What a bitter pill. I still need. And then after a while, when I knew my eyes were rolling, and I now went into the kitchen, and I started taking the food, which she cooked. Can you see her foolishness? If you are that good, don't eat the food. You kill yourself. That was a good lesson I learned. And now, even if I'm angry, what do you want to eat? Give me this, this, this. I want food first. After eating, then maybe the Holy Ghost will start to speak to me, but I am not going to punish myself anymore. Do you just injure yourself? You go days without talking to each other. You're injuring yourself. You're injuring your family. And you know what? You defile your family. Let me talk to the young ones. When you get married and you have children and you stop talking to each other, you defile your children. I've gone ahead of myself. You will see as we go along. Hopefully I'll get there. I've got... 
There is a strong connect. Let me finish that statement so you will understand. Let me finish that statement. The atmosphere that you create in your home is what your children will operate under. If the atmosphere of the home is bitter, they're going to operate in bitterness. You wonder why they're calling you every time from school. Because the house is defiled. Let's continue. There's a strong connection between anger and a wide spectrum of health miseries. Sometimes they're wasting doctor's time and pastors too. <laughs> because you, 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 you won't tell me you're bitter and I'll keep praying and praying and praying. Now I ask God for discernment because God, don't make me bitter praying every time and nothing is happening. So I pray for discernment. It is what you're not saying that I'm looking for. Oh, they don't like me at work. They're racist. They're, you didn't tell me you go to work late. You didn't tell me that. And then I'll be pa ma ka ta ma pa ma pa ma ka pa pa ta ya ta ti wi ta ma ta ma ta ma ta ga ta ga. Just be merciful and say, but pastor, even I have a fault. Then we can deal with it because some things it doesn't require prayer. It just means a, ch- a change of attitude. You are the only one they picked up. Are you the only one there? I worked in a predominantly, in fact, I was the only black boy in that 900 people working there. When another black person joined me, I was angry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was king. I made myself king. They knew my name immediately. What's the matter with you? Some picked on me. I didn't care. The vast majority loved me. How many of them love me, but because of just one, two foolish people, then you're, you're, then everybody is against you. No, it's two foolish people that are against you. And the one who was against me, God removed. In fact, they called me into a meeting to say, is this man actually bothering you? I said, no, I'm not bothered. I said, are you sure? Because we want to, we've heard that he's made some comments. I said, and I know he did. He said, I'm not bothered. I think the only thing he said is that I'm not going to last here. But you know, I, I last everybody else. It's a good challenge. And we continued. He won't call me down to repair his computer. He, he will get rid of me. But fine. At the end of the day, I got rid of him. I disabled his uh, login stuff because <laughs> they suspended him. Because so would I now cry? So, when they, so I everywhere I was, I was king. And when another black boy joined, I was like, what are you doing? I want to fire you because you're... Raining on my parade. You, we just pick things that are not in existence. That was my thought initially. Then we got on well. No. God, God, we've got to learn to move on with life. Because all our anger and resentment causes sickness. Chronic stomach upset. Heart problems. Skin conditions. Stop using, uh, stop exfoliating. You need to exfoliate your heart first. And then everything starts to come from the outside. You're wasting too much money. Even if you go to Israel and get, get mud from the, the, it still will not clear the sin in your life. Oh, you see, you see, if you, if you forgive people, you see your skin starts to glow. Your heart starts to glow. You're just wasting money on all these things they're selling you. The problem is not the outside, it's the inside. So the pimples, the dimples, the whole issue, if you can get rid of this inside, everything will wash on the outside. This is our major issues. Stomach cramps, it's anger. I know. Without question, the more anger we experience, the more stress we are under. And the more doors we open for sickness. Whenever a hostile or a hateful thought enters your mind, try to be fully aware of the harm that resentment can do to you. It even makes you ill. Let that knowledge motivate you to forgive and let go. Recognize the ripple effects of harboring rage and grudge. Somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I'm angry against you. I said, for how long? He says, for a while. I said, ah! I said, and when I calculated, I said, ah, you know I've prospered during that time that you're angry. You're angry against I didn't realize. God kept prospering me while you were angry. If you're angry, tell me. 
If I'm at fault, I will say sorry. And if I'm not at fault, I will say sorry. <laughs> at least to get me out of explanation. Do you know sometimes you just need to say sorry? There is no point. I'm so sorry. And then the next question you're asking is, are you sorry because you're really sorry? Or you're sorry because you're sorry? That, 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 that's when you know you're dealing with a demon. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Couples get married and someone will say, you keep saying sorry. Hey, she or he has to keep saying sorry because you never say sorry. Stop hurting your children. Stop hurting your life because you can't forgive. Can I give you two more inroads? Maybe let me give them maybe one. I call it unproductive stress. I want to add something to it. This, this is an inroad, unproductive stress. I, for young ones, I also can call it unproductive academic stress. Many times we are depressed because some people are under enormous pressure to succeed in life, to succeed academically. Many, I've seen many parents flog a child to the brink of exhaustion because of exams. And it has allowed them to become bitter in life because the only acknowledgement the parents gave them is if they did well in school. And some of us have grown with that bitterness and we are unconsciously putting that same thing on our children. Oh, did you see the person beside you, their friend got a scholarship. You still didn't get a scholarship. You didn't do that. And all these things. And therefore, we also enter into uni competing. And we take ourselves to the brink of this. I remember a young boy who came to church one time and I was ministering to him. And he was saying, oh, that, uh, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm at 2-1 and I'm so stressed. My parents want me to be a first class. And I said, your parents don't want you to be a first class. The stress you're putting on yourself. And he went on and on and on and on. And I didn't understand how much people can be fixated that his entire life is based on him getting a first class. It's a good thing to want it, but it's a bad thing when it becomes your idol. Failure of an examination can cause a depression. But I want to say this. Remember, failure is not fatal. And fatal also is not final. When we fail at something, it doesn't mean that they have nailed the coffin. And even if they nailed the coffin, Jesus can walk by and touch the coffin and resurrect you again. Unnecessary stress. Stress. We want to succeed in this. We want to succeed in this. It's good. But don't make it the idol of your life. Especially in academics. Especially in competition. So the world is raising competitions between each other. And children are getting depressed every single day because we feel that that's the only route in which they can go. And some of us also get married and we're competing with our spouse. If they take one exam, you're taking one. If they take two exams, you're taking... When I married, I keep saying, my wife was earning more and I was earning. And I was still okay. I was good. I was encouraged to do better. But seriously, our life patterns were entirely different. I had to struggle to get some certain things. She also had to struggle, but she was well-opened, well-exposed. I wasn't. And because she was exposed, then I got exposed simple but we just we're just competing we're competing with each other we're, we're always trying to win and it's good to win but failure is also not an enemy sometimes it's a help to move forward number five i call it unfortunate traumatic events these are inroads let me read this the death of a loved one can cause depression Instances of abuse or other traumatic events can have a real impact on anyone, causing them to become depressed and overly anxious. 
in the aftermath even of a trauma, it is wise to keep our eyes open for signs of depression. It's clear. It's very traumatic if you lose someone. Very traumatic if someone is taken and yanked away from you. But you always have to accept what is left and let go of what has gone. Would we cry? Yes. But he didn't say we should go into depression. Because your depression can't bring the person back. Long-term unemployment can also cause depression. Living in an abusive and uncaring relationship. Long-time isolation and loneliness. Prolonged work stress. These are inroads to depression that you need to be aware of and you need to fight against. They're more likely to cause depression in life. They can trigger depression. So if you're in a long-term unemployment, certainly you will feel unhappy. The question is, don't sit down in isolation and at home. Sometimes, even to volunteer to do something may release the burden of you. Just to volunteer. Just knocking on the door and saying, is there anything I can help? Because nowadays, even workplaces want to know if you have volunteered somewhere else. Let me give you number six. I'll call it unproductive environment. This can cause depression. I want you to be able to know and well understand some of these things. What do I mean by unproductive environment? I've spoken about it. Separating or divorcing parents. Divorce or separated parents may be more common today, today than in generation past. But that doesn't mean that the situation has no effect on emotional well-being. Many people sitting here are a product of a divorced or a separated family. The dissolution of a family unit or even the divorce of a parent and step-parent can be very upsetting for some people and lead to depression, especially teenagers. I'm not only teaching us for us, but I'm teaching us for those who are around. Though you may seem like a fiercely independent being that wants or needs nothing from your parents, you still have emotional and physical needs for attention. So the lack of a parental attention on either level can lead to a feelings of depression. So let me say this clearly, because this is going on tape. If you come from a home where there's an absent parent, where you saw your parents go through a divorce, or you grew up where there was an absent father, or was there's an absent mother, and you know how it made you feel, then really, don't use that to go into depression. Use that as an impression for your future. Knowing fully well that when you get married, divorce is not an option. And because you grew up, this is going to get a bit hot right now, and because you grew up in a family where it was only your mother, then you as the man who grew up only with your mom and your father was not there, don't be foolish to impregnate someone. Because you knew how you feel, felt. Or you knew what you went through. And you, the girl, close the jewels up tight so that you do not produce a child that grows up with an absent parent. So see now what I'm saying. Instead of throwing stones at our parents, it's supposed to be something we should take as a springboard that guides us into our future. Because if it doesn't happen, not only would you fall into depression for that mistake, which you blamed your parents for, but also you're, it's, it's now a, it becomes a hereditary. And depression can be hereditary. Are you getting anything from it? So, what you're doing is you're building, you're bringing these children up in an unproductive environment. So, the first thing I said is, first thing I said when we started was unforgiveness. So, if you grew up in a family 
where you were the only person, the dad wasn't there, the mom wasn't there, forgive now. Because you will never become productive if you don't. And because you are defiled, you will make the same mistake, God forbid, like your parents because you become judgmental. And that's not showing mercy. And many of us grew up with only our mom alone and we were horrible to her. We were vile. We fought her. Blamed her. And some of you are still living with them now. Go home and repent. Because yes, she did that. Maybe she's never told you the full circumstance, but you're judging almost immediately. And because she's the only one there, you're fighting. What about the one who isn't there? But she stood by you. He stood by you. Brought you up. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they even grew up with nobody to tell them how to bring up a child. So they're learning on the job, making mistakes. And here you are, sanctimonious fool. No, seriously, it's an angry thing for me. You're, you're throwing stones and I'm trying to help you so you don't fall into that situation. If you've never been to worship Tabernacle, welcome. <laughs> no! You should get off your sorry behind and start to ask for forgiveness from God and go back to your parents and say, please forgive me for being horrible. Because many of them are bringing you up. They didn't hear the message you're hearing. So they're still bitter. They've got to learn to produce productive environment. People get depressed because of learned patterns of negative thinking. You know people get depressed because they're exposed to pessimism. You're living in a house where everything is pessimistic. And you learn the pattern of being negative. And some of us are not in a relationship because God is guy wants to heal you first before you go and defile a generation. You can see how nice I am on Sunday. But this is meat. We're raising a generation of people who are raising another generation of people who are raising another generation of people but we're sending a learned pattern area of thinking. Forgive your parents. Oh, mom should have stayed with dad. Dad should have stayed with mom. None of your business. None of your business. You've still got yours. You couldn't even keep what you, your last boyfriend or girlfriend left you. You're blaming you, 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 you got you got issues in your own relationship, and you're still fighting one. Do you see how we can't t- we refuse to take the speck out of our own eyes and want to speck out of someone's eyes when we don't realize there's a log, a wood, a oak tree. <laughs> Go home and make amends. You may never understand what they're going through. I'm not saying they're right, but I'm saying you don't have to continue and perpetuate that kind of evil. Because when you start to forgive them and start to have mercy upon your mom and your, and your dad or whoever, God starts to heal you better. Especially if it's a single mother raising a child. Oh, come on. She didn't dump you. She didn't put you in an orphanage. You should be grateful. And here you are. She's paying the mortgage where you are living in. Some of you really should be slapped. We just take that out of the tape. But <laughs> seriously, and you're sleeping in the house, and you're still wheeling authority. Is there something really wrong with? You? Sometimes, as Christians, we can't keep saying hallelujah. We need to sit down and. Analyze. Is this right? And the more you have mercy on someone else, the more God exempts you from going through what they went through. These are inroads into depression. 
Cannot talk about personality. Some people may be more at risk of depression because of their personality. Particularly if they have a tendency to worry a lot. Mm-hmm. Those who are perfectionists, low self-esteem. And then let me conclude by saying supplement, number seven is supplementary factors. Supplementary factors. This is an inroads to depression. What do I mean by that? Female sex hormones. It has been widely documented that women suffer from major depression about as twice as often as men. Women are especially prone to depressive disorder during times of their hormones, such as around the time of their menstrual period, their childbirth, premenopause or menopause, postnatal depression. In addition, a woman's depression risk declines even after she goes through menopause. Be aware of this. And there's someone I was encouraging. Medically, I hope I'm right. This is not for you, but when you get there, take note. Menopause is not evil. And everyone's now going quiet. There's some things that you accept in life. I am going to be 50 and 50. Period. I can't run as 25. They said to you, your natural progression is you will go through in menopause. Don't make yourself depressed and everybody else around you depressed because you're going through it. You had a baby, eh, you have a baby. And when you have a baby, there are some things you can't do anymore. It's seasonal. It will pass. Someone asked, so when does it end? You sometimes don't even know that it has ended and you're still in there. Yeah. It's in there. It's gone, but you're still depressed. Wow. Hey, you still have to understand how I feel. There's nothing else after that. I remember when, when my wife got pregnant and she knew she was pregnant. The following day, we were on the bed. No, nothing. I think I feel pain, no pain. And so immediately we made the law. Number one, I am not going anywhere to buy any food from you, any far place at all. No craving, nothing is happening. Not with this man, it is not happening. So don't send me from on church to go all the way to Old Street to go out and buy you chicken satay just in one place and before I come back you are asleep it's not going to happen in the name of Jesus my perfume will not irritate you uh, you will cook forever you will be strong as a Hebrew woman because before they even got to the Hebrew woman they've had birth you claim what is yours the day she was giving birth she was still cooking you can speak it's not because I punished her she, she, she just she took the covenant Bam! She ran with it. Not one day did we visit the hospital. Not one day did she start. Everybody has their own thing. And I recognize that. I must say that. But don't call what is not yours. You now picked on someone who, was, who went through a bad one. And you're now palpitating. Hey, I'm going to go through that. What about the one who didn't go through anything? Prophesy to yourself. Female hormones. Poor nutrition can cause depression. A poor diet can contribute to a depression in several ways. Poor diet. A variety of vitamins and mineral deficiencies are known to cause symptoms of depression. Some people are depressed because they lack minerals. See Dr. Follenkem, she may help you. Some studies have found that diets either low in omega-3 fatty acids or with an imbalance of ratios of omega-6 to omega-3 are associated with increased rates of depression. In addition, diets, diets high in sugar have been associated with depression. You stop saying I have a sweet tooth. The whole whole teeth will fall out very soon. Stop prophesying what is not there. When God created you, he didn't say, okay, Color, I create you. Now, one of your gifts is you will have a sweet tooth. God didn't say that. God knew what the chemical balance he expects in there. And then he says, go have dominion. You don't have dominion over what you eat. So what you eat has dominion over you. An inanimate object having dominion over what you should have dominion over. Many of us, we're looking for the fact. Who are you looking at? What did you do? Exercise and right eating. There's no more thing to it. Every quick things always end, end in disaster. Shortcuts don't get you to the right place. High sugar, high fatty food, 
all this you don't even cook at home. It leads to depression. Okay. <laughs> caffeine. Addiction to caffeine. You can't function without coffee. Is this something? What are you saying to yourself? You, say, you can't, I can't, I can't. People say it to me and I'm like, look at this foolish attitude. You can't function without caffeine. You can't function without a coffee in the morning. You can't. So where is Jesus? The rest of us, what are we doing? Learn to, learn to take dominion over some certain things that the devil is saying is normal but is producing an abnormal reaction in our lives. Drugs, alcohol, these are also things that cause inroads towards us being depressed. Did you get anything from it tonight? Ah, no, I, 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 knew, I knew you were not going to cut that much and I, and I understand that. Uh, uh, but I was very graceful tonight. Any questions? You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk. Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939. You can find us at the Citadel, Worship Tabernacle, 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ. Archway, London. Thank you for listening.